Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I completely agree. I remember going through the GFC when I was starting out working on commission. I did not dye my hair because I couldn't afford it. It was pay your rent or dye your hair, those sorts of things. So I always wanted to be better. People think wealth planning is only for the wealthy. It's actually more important to think about it when you feel that tightening around your neck and you feel like you can't get out because that's where the real power of wealth planning comes in because you will get yourself A, out of that situation and B, help yourself never be in it again. And it, it, it is just doing the work. I'm your host, Natalie Drenovac, and welcome to The Modern Women, a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight. In today's episode, I sit down with Joanna Veach to talk money and, in particular, investing our money. Joe is a partner and shareholder in Crestone, a wealth management firm. Joe has a keen passion and focus in socially responsible investing, empowering other women to both invest wisely and be invested in as businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I invited Joe on today because there is a disparity between men and women when it comes to money, our levels of understanding of what money we have, be it with respect to our partners, our super, assets, and most importantly, where it currently sits and how best to invest it for our futures. Joe shares her experience being one of the few women in a very male-dominated field, why she believes women don't engage with money the way men do, and most importantly, what we can do to change that. If you love this episode or any other episodes of the podcast, make sure you're subscribed wherever you love to listen so you don't miss any upcoming episodes for when they go live. Let's kick off with your rapid fires when you're ready. What's your wine of choice? Chardonnay. One thing you've learned about yourself during COVID? I, my introvert characteristics are bigger than I thought they were. Oh, really? In terms of you're like, I'm loving this. Yeah, I was, I was, I was okay. But I do, I do have a mixed personality. There is extra, extrovert parts of me that were needed to be fed during <laughs> quarantine that were not. And that made me a little nuts. <laughs> the one book you'd recommend for all to read? My favourite book of all time is The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. And it's a fabulous story, sort of a ghost story, but a story about racial inequality. But I think you could make it about all sorts of inequality. Really? Yeah. I've never even heard of it. It's, it's, a, it's older, but it's um, a story of a, of a black girl who wants to become a doll with blue eyes. 
Mm. because that's society's norm of what beauty is at the time and she doesn't see herself represented, she doesn't Mm. see herself anywhere. So to have blue eyes means she'll be accepted in society Mm. and she goes a bit mad. I like – in particular, I wanted to ask you that question because you're such an avid reader. Mm. No TV for you. (laughs) What is a modern woman to you? Someone who gives themselves the ability to take control of their own lives. And lastly, who's a female role model for you and why? Yeah, I got asked this question in an interview recently and I had to think about it and I ended up saying Julia Gillard. Yeah. And the reason was not for her politics but for the strength of character that she showed to make that misogyny speech, that would have been incredibly difficult Mm. um, in a room full of men to Mm. actually call out that behaviour. And it was then such a lightning rod for for a conversation and she's continuing to do that as well, which I think she's she's backed it up with what she's doing post-politics. Yeah, her podcast that I listen to, I really enjoy it. And she often says, because I didn't realise the impact that that speech was going yeah. to have. Yeah. Which is almost what makes it so genuine and so impactful because Correct. it's always those little things when you're not seeking for the yeah. validation of anything. Yeah, when you just have that moment where you go, I'm not going to take. I'm not going to take this anymore. Mm. And what an impact that can actually have on. If it only has an impact on a couple of people, that's still an impact. Yeah, it's like it doesn't have to hit a million. Yeah, yeah. So you're a woman working in the financial investments and a partner at a wealth management company. I would personally say that's quite. You're more of an anomaly than the norm. Correct. And so, what drove you to get into this field of work? Because you did have quite an interesting route in the, yeah. how you ended up there. I really fell into it. Um, I graduated university in 1995 mm-hmm. with a Bachelor of Arts degrees and we are in the middle of a big recession, didn't know what the hell I was going to do. Did real estate for a while, hated it, but it was really good growth <laughs> for me in terms of I was pretty naive, pretty um, green, you, you come from a protected society, you know, background. Um And then, so I did that for a couple of years, which was good, but I needed to do something else, just apply for jobs and happened to get one at a stockbroking firm as an assistant. And was pretty much from the first day that I walked in, I like like this job. I I like like what it is. The job or you liked money? I liked the job. What I like about doing it and why I've been in this industry for such a long time is you're always learning. You Mm -hmm. learn a little bit about new things all the time. I'm not the master of anything. I'm not an expert in any particular um, industry or but I know if I go to a dinner party I know about pretty much every industry that those people will be represented because of the investing in stocks and hearing okay. about the markets etc so I like knowing how things work mm-hmm. and knowing a li- and how politics matter and why the economics matter and about how all the world is evolving I find that really interesting Technology, for example, in the last five years, I found learning about technology because of how we invest Mm -hmm. really interesting. So that keeps me going. And then there's also the personal relationships. I've had clients for over 10 years. So you get to really know them, to understand them. So you have the emotional challenge as well as the intellectual challenge. Are you some of their longest relationships? Well, they're (laughs) some of my longest relationships. (laughs) No, money is such a personal thing mm. and that, so I imagine that the emotional aspect of when people are giving you such large amounts of money, it also comes with a lot of trust that you mm. have to build that like it is any other kind of personal relationship yeah. in your life. Yeah. And then how did you end up as a partner at Crestone? So 
I worked my way up. So I did postgraduate study in finance and investing and I worked as an assistant and I became what's called an associate advisor at UBS, which is a big investment bank. Mm -hmm. I was there for about 13 years, became a a fully-fledged advisor with my own client base and they decided to leave Australia in 2015. Mm. Um, Just a big European bank, didn't really want to be in Australia anymore. A group of us had worked together for a very long time we're all at roughly around the same age and it was that if we don't do it now and take that chance to build a new business, we'll never do it. Yep. So that's what we did and set up our new business. So there's about 70 of us that are partners and that means we're shareholders in the business. And it's, it was a scary thing to do, but it's also been fulfilling and exciting. So personally, when I think of money or when I think of finance or when I think of Wall Street, you don't think women, mm. you think men in mm-hmm. suits. Um, and the joke is always- Gordon Gecko. Yep. <laughs> and you think that the woman is the one who's out there living her luxurious life, spending their hard-earned dollars. So for you working in such a male-dominated industry, how many women are at Crestone or how many women most of the time have you ever worked with? In, the, in my role? Yeah. yeah. So in my role, out of 80 advisors, there's, I think, eight women- uh, so it's 10%. That's a pretty pathetic figure. Mm. Um, and that's pretty representative of the industry, unfortunately. Um, I don't really know why, because I think women have a very good role to play in wealth management. There's that empathy level. Um, I'm not saying men don't have empathy, but it's just a more sometimes more instinctive to women. Um, and a lot of people actually like having female advisors because they, they have the stereotype in their head of, Gordon Gecko or the stockbrokers with Leonardo their, DiCaprio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that they feel like you're not going to do it, which isn't, of course, the case. But yeah. um, I, I see absolutely no reason why there shouldn't be more women advising and more women um, in the industry. But it has, it's like anything, when you don't see yourself reflected around the table, it's very difficult to imagine yourself in that role. Yeah. So when I'm the only person sitting at a table and the younger, females in the room see that there's only other one other woman it makes it feel harder to do it than for the other guys that are the younger guys that are saying they already see their pathway established do you find that response do you take do you take that as a big responsibility in now in your role now as a yeah partner? yeah I think it's really important to try and show that it is a really valid choice um that you can do it um and that the pathway should be easier for them I take it on as a I went through this so that you don't have to. Yeah. So if you have a problem, talk to me about it. I will fight that battle for you. You don't have to fight that battle. I feel like that's quite a courageous stance that I don't think every woman in a leadership position takes. But along the way, you know, you say that you fought that path. Were there any standout stories that you can recall where you thought, wow, it's because I'm a woman that I'm experiencing this? It's re- Sometimes it's really unconscious. Okay. Um. And I feel like I, I sometimes I'm sitting around a table thinking, am I the only one that is getting this is wrong? Am I, the, am I the only one thinking this way? So luckily I have a very core group of friends who I've worked with for a long time who are in the same um, industry um, who I can have a sounding board to say, am I, cra- am I crazy or is yeah. it how you're not seeing my – the diversity yeah. of opinion definitely helps. Yeah. You know, just little incidences like um, – Oh, there was one, there was a private equity firm in and they're representing um, Modi Body, the period underpants. So, of course, there was a lot of sniggering and giggling at the table and it was, come on, like, come on, really? Yeah. Really? 
Or I, I have liked now recently um, people have come into Crestone and we're being presented to and um, they'll say, where are all the women? Really? And But it's, is it women that are asking that or no, even male so investors? We had a, a male that asked it, male head of a, of a firm, and there was the, you know, the usual embarrassed laughter. It was, no, this is a serious question. Where are the women? Really? Yeah. Now, that's not – it's not my firm, you know – trying to be against women or anything yep. it's just it's an industry-wide problem and yep. I think it's um literacy and investing in women's literacy and investing is relatively low compared to males and again that's because of the example that they often have mm-hmm. um but I'm encouraged that that is it is changing yeah it is I actually have interviewed two startup founders and they both said that when they were seeking investments, that when they would present their idea because it was combating a woman's issue, the men didn't see the value in it. And it's kind of like you're missing opportunities here mm-hmm. due to the lack of diversity that you have within mm-hmm. the room. Mm. So that's that's actually a great it's thing. It's also if you're pitching to, you know, you're looking to be custodians of the money for not-for-profits or for big organisations, et cetera, they have a diversity and gender policy inherent within their remit to look after the money so they're then not going to you know want to be representative of a a firm that doesn't have any gender or diversity within the own firm you know firm because you're not upholding the principles of the money anyway so so with women's lack of literacy and financial knowledge how are how are we being harmed by this like collectively how are we disadvantaging ourselves by not actually taking the leap to say either a i want to be within the industry or seeking to understand it ourselves within our own homes well, it's an established fact that women retire. I think it's about forty-seven percent less in super. That is such it, a large it's a sum huge, of money. Huge, huge number. Um, that has a lot to do with um, broken up work uh, experiences. Yeah. Women take the bulk of caring. You the know, maternity so gap. Maternity gap, or uh, someone's got sick, or some you know, etc. Um, often, women are paid less. So the accumulation of the money over the years, if you're putting less in, you're going to have less when you come out. That's, you know, just the way it is. Um, So, and I think it is sometimes someone else will take care of it, you know, that kind of, and you have to have that, why I said, you know, my answer about a modern woman is you have to take care of it. You have to think about it. You have to be involved in that. And it can be scary to challenge yourself in an industry where you don't know the language or you don't, really understand it but money is a language that people are like I have no idea what you're talking about every industry has its own language and finance and investing is no different you know if I go out with a group of friends who are nurses and they start talking I've absolutely no idea what they're talking about so it's not unique to finance or the industry Um, but there are lots of resources out there um, that you can get yourself Get yourself interested and get yourself – I always say a good way to start with investing is just think about something that you're interested in. Yeah. Think about an industry or a topic or whether it's female impact investing or it's um, technology or it's something and just learn a little bit about that subject and you'll find that you grow in terms of your experience. Mm. So something that came up for me when I was, I guess, preparing for this interview was the fact that – I feel as if we were having the conversation and it was going to be relayed to men. We would be having, we'd be talking about topics and having the conversation as if it was further along down the track where it almost seems like with women, you have to go back to, okay, 
here's where we must begin. And uh, I had a conversation with a friend who I know invests and I said to her, hey, you know, if you had a question to ask, what would you what would you want to know? And she goes, well, no, I'm different. I got lucky and I put money away and I invest. And she was already classifying the fact that she is a part of the norm. And at first I thought it was funny and then I thought that's actually really sad mm. that any woman who is succeeding within any kind of financial aspect is like, wow, like you're so far along and everyone, we're all back here just mm. admiring you thinking, wow, how did you get there? Yeah. Do you find that that happens within yourself and your your friends or are you all at an established part where you are talking about money? I think some of my really close friends don't really even understand exactly what it is I do. Right. Um, because it's not something that I don't spend my life talking about investing in finance and stocks and, you know, I have a lot of varied other interests and I talk about those with my friends. So I I think sometimes they don't really understand exactly what it is I do and it seems like a foreign world, whereas Mm -hmm. if I can explain it um, simply and we sort of start off very small, we, we can get there. So I wanted to talk about why we don't talk about money. Mm. And I find like even you sharing that, whereas I have quite a few friends now who are male and in finance and I've been to lunches and dinners. And at some point we're either where they're talking about uh, investments, opportunities that are arising. And I think to myself, women go to lunches and we don't talk about things like this. Yeah. Why is it taboo? Well, why do you believe it might be taboo that we don't talk about money? I think it's still historical. I think um, in the people's families, whether their parents talked about it openly or not, whether Mm -hmm. they're involved in the situations or not, or if you had a female role model who took – my mother, for example, took control of the finances in in our family. Mm -hmm. Um, Some – some just don't, and I don't know if that's from the pa- the power imbalance that has always been innate in men working more and women staying at home, or if that's um, a confidence thing. Often, women. This is a huge generalisation, but you know, I've listened to so many podcasts where all women and lectures from senior women where they all say the same thing. Women feel like they need to know hundred percent about the topic before they can talk about it confidently. Yeah. Whereas men will just kind of bluster along and go, yeah, I read about, you know, et cetera. It seems like a good investment. Yeah. Um, if you could just talk about topics that you're interested in yep. but are involved around money and involved around investment, I think that would be a good way to start having that conversation with your friends. Yep. and to talk. So I try and do it in terms of um, there are so many great companies out there that are doing, you know, we were talking before about females in private equity and starting out new businesses, you know, the, um, the new one that's doing – contraception online like I haven't heard of that yeah no so they're um I can't remember the name of the business I've never been on the pill so I've yeah. never when it comes to contraception but I'm like no the fact idea that you have to go to the doctor every yeah. three months and pay pay a fee to get a prescription which is you know you just need to get that re- yeah. redone that there's a new company that's doing that online now they looked for investors there are those sorts of companies which you can, you know, have a look at and, and say, can I get involved in that? Or there's, you know, crowdfunding. Mm. There's all sorts of things that you can actually just pique your interest in. What am I interested in? I like to travel. Okay, maybe not the best time to talk about travel. <laughs> but is there something that I can, you know, invest in that yeah. looks interesting or, you know, et cetera? 
And when you find out or you know of friends who either don't know about their own financial situation or, I mean, I think it's across the board. I know a lot of friends who I go, so, you know, do you know anything about your finances? And Mm. they say, no, he takes care of it. And yes, we are generalizing, but it's a generalization for a reason. Mm. It's more often the fact that this is what's happening in Mm. the world. So what do you say in situations like that? Well, firstly, I'm horrified. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I do express that to my friends that I am horrified. (laughs) that they don't know yeah. um, and that you have to start. I, I'm actually, it's not even um, being in a relationship. I think some single women as well sometimes, yeah. single male friends as well, you start off with the first question, where's your super? Oh, I, I'm not really sure. How much is in it? Not sure. How's it invested? Don't know. Okay, well, look, here's something to start with. <laughs> here's, some <basic laughs> here's something, let's have a look at that. Yeah. So, um it's not only females, but yeah, it is. Um, I, I personally don't understand why you wouldn't take control of your own finances. And I, I suppose, you know, because I am single and I've always been in control of it, it seems foreign. To, and I am surrounded by good friends of mine who are involved in it mm. and understand it and take charge of it in their family life um, that I find it very surprising. Do you ever find or have you ever found throughout your career when either you're talking about personal investment opportunities, like have you ever been treated differently? Not recently, but I think that's a byproduct of where you've where of where of yeah. So yeah. I come with a relative experience and background that I I claim the space that I have to be taken seriously. Yeah. Um, but that certainly has happened. Yeah, certainly has happened, and, and very early on in my career, particularly when I was an assistant, mm. if I I always tried to work for the job I wanted rather than the job I had. So always trying to look to move forward. And so that would be I would ask to go to meetings or sit in on, on opportunities, et cetera. And most of the time that was not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I asked a question, it would be I, w- I would see the eyes roll and right. I would see I would see the what's she asking this or taking up this space for. But yeah. I just had to do it. <laughs> you know, there's such a common thread with when I'm interviewing people where it's the women who just go, fuck it. I'm still going to go after what I want and I'm going to go through all the sludge of the eye rolls of the comments on the Snickers. Mm. And I mean, it obviously does serve you, but it does take that courage at the front, at the front end to be like, mm. I'm still going to go for it. Even mm. though, you know, Joe, Bob and Mark are going to yeah. be dicks on the other yeah. side. Or sit through another session of mansplaining. Yeah. Just that drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, Often within my friends, or at least certainly Lisa reminds me, she goes, oh, I always love talking about money, but I grew up, I grew up, I remember I was 18 and I was on a traveling around the world and I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Mm -hmm. Robert Rick Kiyosaki. And I started explaining, well, it's because I read that. So I started to learn how wealthy people teach their children different things. Mm. And even Lisa then raised the argument of, she goes, well, even the title, it's rich dad. It's Mm. not rich parent, poor parent. Mm. Um, But if you were to look and reflect and, you know, if you were to ever have children, what would be one thing you would want to make sure that you've told them? I would want them to know about money really early on, the value of it, how it actually, you can, I think delayed gratification is a really important part of investing. So when you think about, oh, but I don't have the money to invest, you do. Mm-hmm. You just have to find it from somewhere. Yeah. Everyone can do it. It's just a matter of saying, I could have this weekend away with the girls now or I could take that $2,000 and put it into something so that in 20 years' time I can have it, you know, when I'm retired, I can have that trip around Europe that I've been yeah. dreaming of. 
So it's the, it's the balance. And I think that's sometimes what people struggle with. They can only see what they want now, Mm -hmm. as opposed to having a balance of sure, have a good life, enjoy things, make sure you're looking after yourself, but also plan for the future. Do you feel like that's become exacerbated in our culture more recently over the past, I'd say 10 to 20 years? Yeah. The, the Instagram culture of the perfect life, um, means that instant gratification and instant, um, the appearance of wealth is mm. more important than the actual product of wealth. Yeah. Um, and when you say wealth, I think I think that's misleading sometimes as well because pe- when you say wealth, people think that means you have to be wealthy. But wealth is different to everyone. And, and the first question you get asked when I see a new client is, how much do I need? Yes. And my answer is almost, well, how much are you going to spend? And we okay. have to work back. So, so have a good think about what? what do I see my life is in retirement? And if your life in retirement is you're not going to go anywhere and you're not going to do anything because you don't have any money and that doesn't seem pleasant to you, you need to start thinking about it now, not in in 10 years' time. Well, something I did want to ask about Crestone from when I've, you know, even on the website it states that we help high net worth Mm -hmm. individuals. Is there a difference when it does come to investing so people do understand of when you go to a company like yours versus when you are starting out? Mm. Because I do imagine that you do need at least a bare minimum amount and you yeah. don't have to share how much that is. Yeah. But there is a difference in the types of investments that you're making and perhaps the reason why. Correct. Yeah. Um, the reason why is the legislative culture that we have in Australia. It's a highly regulated industry as a byproduct of the Haynes Royal Commission. Rightly so. Mm-hmm. You know, there needed to be changes. But unfortunately, it's meant that um, the cost of doing providing financial advice to what are called retail investors, mm-hmm. so we only look after what are wholesale investors, okay. so that's a minimum net worth, um, is quite prohibitive. And it means that the people that they were actually trying to protect are all then bundled into quite stock standard products and advice and it's all very um, standardised because the cost of doing it is too high otherwise, whereas we can be quite highly individualistic. Mm -hmm. So all my clients' portfolios are quite different. They have different looks and feels to them and it's really much based on what they need Mm -hmm. and what they're interested in. You know, that that rule still applies. Invest in things that you're interested in. But to not to not discourage people from wanting to invest because mm. from the sounds of it, it's a oh, great, I need to have money to make more money. Yeah. I mean, there are also things along the way to get to that position, I imagine. There are fabulous I in preparation for today because I did think about I, I um, you, you only know what you know, right? Yep. Um, I just did a quick Google, women and investing. Yeah. And on the, on the internet, there are so many good resources that you can just start with um, and some that are specifically tailored to women as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you had that interview with Verve, the Verve Super. Verve Super. Yeah. You, there's places like that. Um, there's, there's just, you just, it's just a matter of taking a little bit of time to have a look. Mm. Smart Money, which is a, a government initiative, the ASX website, there's, there's lots of places where you can get information. It's almost like you have to be prepared to feel silly along the way. Yeah. And then you can get there yep. with little steps. There are no stupid questions. So we are recording this during COVID-19 where I certainly feel like the world's economy was shaken. Yeah. Uh, and it does seem that women are already, as we've established, we're, we're behind in the starting point. And then we're less empowered and due to wealth management, mostly being controlled by men. And some stats that I've seen have, or that have emerged, I should say, have demonstrated that COVID-19 has actually hit women hardest with respect to unemployment, further exacerbating the gender pay gap. I mean, what have you seen over the last three months? 
Yeah, I um, so Treasury put out some stats last week, so on the 11th of May, which I found appalling. This is so this is Australia only, but um, so jobs down 8.1 percent for women yep. compared to 6.2 percent for men. Found that also. Yep, uh, the hours worked for women are reduced by 11.5 percent. Men seven and a half percent. The one I found the most interesting in a bad way. Yeah. Uh, so they did the provision for early release of super. You could take at least $20,000 out of your super. Yep. Uh, 1.4 million people have actually done that. 463,000 of them were women under 30. Wow. Taking $20,000 out of your super early on could mean your balance could change by about $150,000 by the time you retire. Yeah, because I feel like that was uh, – Lisa and I were discussing this and – it seemed like the government said, hey, you can do this. And everyone was like, all right, great. I can access quick cash. But they didn't actually encourage or educate anyone around, here's the damage that this will happen. Correct. Correct. So is that us living in again? Here's what I need now as opposed to let me at least. Well, I think the problem was women are underrepresented in – well, overrepresented in industries that have been mostly affected by COVID. Yeah. So the people that are affected have not by and large been white-collar businesses the transition so for example our company the transition to working at home has meant there haven't been job losses people have been able to to you know our business has been able to maintain you've found that in most sort of white collar industries Mm -hmm. the ones that have been affected are part-time employment casual employment hospitality retail women women dominate a lot of those industries Mm. so if you were at part, you know, you were part time or casual, which a lot of them were, because that's the nature of the industry. You don't get access to JobKeeper, so how do you then pay for the next two months' rent? Or mm. you know, Super was an easy solution. So I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it was presented as a solution, but it wasn't explained properly. Absolutely, not. and that I think is what happens most of the time. And again, it's the what the wealthy people are told. Yeah, and versus everybody else. Yeah. Whereas, so if if you know, the government is $60 billion better off because they got the calculations wrong. Huge miscalculation. Um, Do what? you think we just, <laughs> let's take a moment on that. Do you think we should actually, instead of just laughing, be like, how, how, how trusting are we right now of a government who has such a miscalculation? Yeah. Like that's a large, mark, yeah. that's a large sum of money. Yeah. So if that money is now going free, as mm. it were, maybe there's something to look at helping people put that money back into super. Yeah. Because it is, it's important for our economy and it's important for us as a country to have a self-funded retirement population, yeah. not just people that are existing, you know, hand, hand to mouth on the pension. You know, when you read these statistics and, you know, obviously you have such a knowledge when it comes to this area, do you ever just sometimes find yourself being so pissed off, for lack of a better word, at where women are standing in the world economy? Yeah, I um I do. I get I get really angry about it. Um and the the stat that troubles me the most and what, and one that I would want people to think about is um women over 55 are the most vulnerable group for homelessness yeah. in old age. Yeah. Now, why is that? Why are women more susceptible to it than anyone else? And there is a whole lot of reasons. The 47% less than super is a huge contributor to that. Um if you get left without means of housing, if you get left, you know, if you have illness or you have anything can derail you really quickly. Mm. Um, 
without thinking about it. You could have had a high flying job, you've traveled the world, you've done really well and you're at 60 and you get really sick and you have nothing to fall back on. Mm. Um, because, you know, we live longer, women in, in older age are often by themselves, they're not, you know, don't have someone to rely on. Um, that, that angers me in a, in a country that is supposed to be forward thinking and equal. Mm. Why is it that women are more vulnerable? Yeah. I just you I, I have these interviews and sometimes I also get to this point and I go, when will we all actually really feel the outrage mm. collectively and be mm. like, this is not fucking okay. Mm. You know, like we've all spoken about it and it's like now what what must we do to move forward? Yeah. Um because we are talking about COVID and the impacts that it's had, you know, here we are saying let's let's invest, let's make more money. But I think a lot of people would also click on the news and see that billions have been wiped from mm. the stock market. Mm. So in situations like that, or like, what have you learned? What have we seen from this pandemic financially? Um, I think with the exception of um, specific industries, which have been very hit, travel being one of them, yes. and, and will that come back to where it was before? Investing actually, if you if you have a good plan and you held your nerve, mm. we're almost you know it was pretty hairy in March and April and you know it wasn't pleasant, mm. um, but if you've got an advisor who's seen it before, who understand, I mean, no one's lived through a pandemic before, so we were pretty unknown going into that. But buying good industries and buying good stocks, things like you know technology, for example, my my portfolios are pretty heavy in technology and those stocks have been fine because what's everyone been doing? Technology. Correct. So people try and make investing hard, but investing is looking at why does a company exist? Is it going to still exist in five years? Does it do well? Mm. And is there a reason for it being around? You know, never invest in something you do, if you don't understand what they do and how they do it. Don't invest in Yeah, it. correct. Yeah. So this is great because I wanted to talk about the psychology of investing mm. uh, because I do think that it is confronting for a lot of people to go from a savings mentality because mm. that's what we have also previously previously been told. Mm. Um, especially, I mean, in this pandemic, it has raised awareness to those who even have a savings account. Mm. So, I mean, I feel like that is a first establishing thing. You should always yeah. have some quick liquidity. Yeah. I've always, I, I, you know, I call it my running away from home. Yeah. Money. Is I've yours, always had is that yours balance. The six month to twelve month thing that you hear about. Yeah, something something like that. Yeah, um, it's probably a bit less because because I've been the way you know it, that doesn't have to be cash. That can be. Have I got something that I could access pretty quickly? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it doesn't only have to be cash. It doesn't only have to be set there. Mm. But um, I think yeah, the turnaround from only say I have to budget or I have to save more. It's no, no, I have to invest more. Yes. Because the investing is the part that will grow your capital. Sitting it in cash, yes. although it's nice to have a cash balance, won't won't do that. Yes. So how do we become investors in our own minds first and foremost? Being interested is that's that's the bit. You can say um I think often friends or people who are outside of or even people who work in our company who don't actually invest, invest. it's because they're not interested. Um, so I think finding something that you can be interested in or seeing the benefits of it, it will get you on that path. It's just starting. So what do you feel then when people, like I know sometimes I bring up money and people kind of offhandedly shrug it off because they don't want to be greedy. Mm. And then it's almost this idea that, look, there are people with money who are greedy. There are also people who are greedy who don't have as much money. Mm. I think I've always felt that wealth amplifies who you are. Mm. Um but 
What do you say to those who either talk about their money blocks or they kind of shirk off money because they're like, oh, it's not a conversation I want mm. to be a part of. Like it's dirty. Mm. Like the idea of having lots of money or, or talking about it too much is like a dirty taboo yeah. thing. I talk about the future mm-hmm. and what you see for yourself in your future because the point is if we work really hard and we've had good careers and we've, you know, put all this time and effort, what, what's the end point? What is the point of all, all of this? And, you know, retirement is a big thing that – do you want to have a good retirement or do you want to live in your car? Do you also think, though, that we should be waiting for retirement at 60? Not waiting. It's That gets back to the balance thing. Yep. It can't be all or nothing. It can't be I'm going to work really hard and not have any fun and save everything so that when I retire, because who knows, you know, you might yeah. drop dead the day you retire. Well, I feel like that's what things like COVID do. You're like, well, why should I wait? Because yeah. here's what might happen. Yeah. I might not get it. Yeah. I should spend it all. So what is that yeah. fine balance? Yeah. Or do you want to, you know, have had a beautiful wardrobe of handbags, but then not be able to afford a, yeah. afford an apartment that you can live in. Having shelter is important. Having those sorts of things yeah. are really important as you get older. I have found it really funny across my social media during this pandemic to have all these people being like, here's a new outfit you can buy to sit at home, like your loungewear. And I mm. just think to myself, no one sees your loungewear. Stop buying yeah. shit and just go get your jumper from the cupboard. Yeah. But it's like people have – we're in habits. We have yeah. habits that we need to feed. Yeah. And – Shopping seems to be one of them yeah. for a lot of people. And I hope that part of the the lockdown and everyone being forced to sort of stop and reevaluate a bit mm-hmm. might help with that. Yeah. You know, the consumerism is rampant. People people get manipulated. I mean, people get manipulated into thinking they need to be something or someone or buy something. And um, that's not, you know, to me yeah. that's not as important as having experiences or, you know, I would much prefer to save my money to then go on a nice holiday as opposed to having the latest wardrobe every time. But that's a personal value as opposed to. Well, I was going to ask, so for yourself, um, but even in the conversations that you have with your clients, when you are establishing what they're going to need their money for, Mm. um, what are the kind of questions that you ask them that people can self-reflect as they're listening Mm. to this and then so they can establish what they want their future to look like? Yeah. As opposed to what handbag do I need? It's more, you know, what are the other things that you make people aware of? You know, what's important to you is really, you know, is it, is it having a stable roof over your head? Is it being able to be self-funded? Is it, you know, what do you expect when you do finally retire? What does that look like? Is it going on, well, not cruises anymore, but, you know. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going on a cruise. Houseboats and yeah. Murray, <laughs> whatever. Um, I think it's fun. I think people will get back to travel and all of that much more quickly than you think. I feel like everyone's think. itching. Correct. Um, but, you know, what does that look like? If, if you've gone and partied in... Um, Spain and Portugal during your 30s and then you can't do it in your 60s because you spent it all then, Mm. you know, what does that look like? Or do you want it steadily along the way? Do you have kids you want to provide for? Do you want to leave something for them? You know, all of those sorts of things are really important. Now, for example, um, my invest, I do some private investing Mm -hmm. and I do that um, female-led companies because that's really important to me because, you know, I have to live by the ethos that I say and so – women leadership, women entrepreneurs, women who are trying to break down the gender barriers, that's an important thing for me to do yep. with my with my money. Um, and for those who kind of – I mean, I feel like it's kind of – this picture has at points been painted where a male-driven company will probably succeed more and you're kind of going, hey, I'll do it because it's, a, it's the right thing to do. How can we actually – change that conversation that it's no women led companies also have great success along the way because even I've 
well, at least the research that I've seen, when you even have more women on boards, the company itself does better mm. because of diversity of opinion. Mm. So how can we kind of make people think that, yes, I'm investing because I want great returns and female-driven companies will also give you those? Mm. Again, it's the it's talking a lot about it yeah. and making sure that they're out there. Canva is one of the best success stories of an Australian company yeah. in recent history. So great, isn't yeah. she? Yeah, and that's a female-like you know, female-led company. Yeah. I, it's not hard to find. It's just a matter of trying to find it. I yeah. obviously have connections that when it's out there and so when I hear about it, I can be involved and people know that I'm interested. So they'll say, hey, Joe, do you want to come along and listen to this story, etc." cetera? Yeah. Um, but that's easy enough to get that kind yeah. of network. It's just once, you know, once you start talking to one person, you know, which I think is the nature of this podcast, right? Yep. Once you start having one conversation with someone, show that you're interested, it's then easy enough to say, well, you should talk to this person or you should talk to this person, etc. So it's just being a bit more bolder. Yeah. Yeah. Asking the question. It's almost the funny thing that at the end of the day, women are someone's daughter, mother, sister, partner, and you think, why wouldn't men want us to have mm. a leg up? You know, like why wouldn't you want to open or at least at least stop holding the door shut? Yeah. What world do you see for your daughter? Yeah. And if your only thing that you want for your daughter is that she looks pretty and marries well. Yeah. See, <laughs> I, I very much reflect that, you know, you, you learn from your history. And my growing up, I remember I used to go to school and my friends would be like, I want to marry well. And I used to, because I had divorced parents, I was like, I want my own wealth. I was like, I can see how messy it is. But, you know, even contrastingly, Lisa's parents are divorced and they had a very amicable divorce. So her, the picture we had when we started talking about money was so different. And my parents happily married and, and my mother passed away a few years ago and until she passed away. And so I had a – there's no reason for me to be as independent as I am. Yeah. But I think I always maybe had something in my personality because I remember teachers saying to me when I went back for the 15-year reunion or something like that, I always knew you would do something like this. Yeah, I didn't know I was going to do something like this, but that they saw it in me or just, you know, people saying, you, you can do this. Didn't you also have um – a moment where someone within your career said to you, you should be happy with what, with where you're at? Yeah. Yeah. And did that just drive that something? That drove my that? move away from Adelaide. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I need the big city, please. Yeah, because I, I realised there, there was a definite ceiling. Yeah. Um, I was offered a job. I won't name the firm. Um, and I just looked at it and there was all the rows of the men and then all the women were sort of, sat on the end of the desk and they were the, it, there was a clear delineation that this is what the women do and this is what the men do. Mm. And I just had that moment of, no, no we need to blow not the for lines. me, not for me. So I, I, I'd been offered the job and I just rang them and said, I'm not, I'm not taking it and I'm, I'm going to move, I'm going to move in state and seek my opportunities elsewhere. And I was told quite, quite bluntly that this is the best opportunity I would ever get. And you know, what else, what else did I expect from life? And that was the, uh, well, I'll show you. Yeah. I'll show you what else I expect the from life. stupid things people say to yeah. discourage others. Yeah. Um, so I have a question because I now that we've – I feel like this whole conversation has been we should all be talking about it more mm-hmm. and then we should be seeking to learn more about it. Uh, but, for example, I'm going out to dinner with six, I would say, quite affluent or, you know, above average women soon for dinner. Let's say if money, you know, the conversation is struck up, what is a conversation that we could or should be having with our girlfriends? I think the most important one when they ask me um, is I ask them what they know first. Hmm. 
just think about what you know. You should have never even if asked you're in a, yeah, If you're in a relationship, what do you know about your finances? And if there is a gap, why is there a gap? Is that because you're not asking mm. or because the information is not available to you? Either way, that's a problem. Yeah. Then it's about what am, what am I interested in? What do I want? Mm-hmm. And is that the future painting? Yeah, even now. Okay. So, for example, there's just little things like you just need someone sometimes to say to you, one of my go- very good girlfriends, and she works in the industry, <laughs> she was talking about getting ahead and I said, how much debt do you have on your credit cards? And we talked about how much debt she had on her credit cards. I said, well, that's the first. That's, that's the, let's not even talk about what stocks you're going to buy. Yeah. There's no point buying stocks when you've got 20 grand credit card debt that you're paying ridiculous interest on. Yeah. Let's not do that. Yeah. So it's those first little steps. And once you make that first step, you can make the second step and the second step from there. Yeah. And there's plenty of resources to help you find what those steps are. Mm. But knowing knowing where you are first is the most important thing. Yeah. Debt's fine. Like debt helps you make more money, but credit card debt doesn't. So if you've got a home loan, take it off your home loan and pay your credit cards off first. Just oh, those okay. little steps. As in redraw on your mortgage yeah. kind of thing. Right. So as in because credit card debt is the well, absolute Well, you're paying, worst. what, 4% on your home loan and you're paying 20% on the credit card. Yes. Save yourself 16, 16% straight away. That is very simple math. And, and it's a simple thing to do. And so for those who perhaps don't have a home that they can redraw from, it is just really dedicating your time and focus on getting yes. getting rid of that first. Get rid of that first. And even if that is taking – this is obviously not financial advice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you take out a personal loan, yes. you're still paying a lot less interest than you are yeah. just to get it out and then pay that loan off as quickly as possible and then go, right, mm. now, I, you know, it sucks, but do it – Look at what you're spending. Yeah. I have a friend recently who was getting ahead of his finances because he had, I guess, not gotten himself to a place that, you know, is very comfortable. Because I think when, when you don't have the money or you feel like it's kind of tightening, and that's that's always been mm. my thing about having it's money. It's frightening. Yeah, it's really frightening. Mm. And then you're always stressed about it. And mm. then that stress kind of exacerbates and Correct. ruins other parts of your life. So you buy something to make yourself feel better. Yes. <laughs> there, there is this, the vicious cycle. Correct. Um, and for him, he's like, you know, now I have buckets and I'm dividing it. And I go, yeah, you're finally in control of it. Whereas that is something that I feel like I do see where people are like, oh, I'm paid, but mm. they don't know where it mm. goes. And that's why it's called financial planning because yeah. it is. You have to you, – you, people want the magic bullet that mm. there's something and unfortunately it's – you have to work at it. You yeah. do – like anything you're going to be good at it, you have, to, you have to work at it and you have to actually have a plan and steps and think about it, mm. you know. I have taken so much from this conversation. So thank you so much for joining me. But my final question, it's the veil of ignorance. Uh, So I like to explore what we want our world to look like. Mm -hmm. You know, we have so much of this conversation around what is going wrong as opposed to what perhaps would would it look like if it was going right. So the veil of ignorance thought experiment simply allows us to take a blank canvas and imagine the world from a place of not knowing where we're going to end up. So that's where we're going to be born, our gender or our economic status, kind of let's even the playing fields. Mm -hmm. So putting the veil on, how would you reconstruct perhaps either the financial financial institutions, uh, whether it's the access, the laws, the culture, or just anything that really stands out for you? I think what I would like to change about financial services in the financial world is it reflects back to the people who most need its help. Mm -hmm. So when you go to a seminar or you go to a roundtable meeting or you go to anything, it is a group of white men in Australia – it is a group of white men yep. sitting at that table, interspersed occasionally with a bit of ethnic diversity, occasionally a woman. Yep. That makes it inaccessible to people. 
because they think I, that's not my world. So I would like to have started early on that that gender gap has been changed quick, much more quickly than it is now because that old adage, if you see it, you can be it. Yeah, definitely true. It, you, even the, you know, the little things in life like the AFL women's coming or different things that are happening. For young girls, if you see it, you can be it. So to be more visible and for it to be an example as opposed to having to fight and claw your way to just to get something you didn't even know you wanted. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so much, Joe. That's all right. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Modern Women. If this content is delivering value to you, it would be so helpful and appreciated if you head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and rate and review us as that helps us build this incredible community. And ultimately, that is what this is all about, building this community as big as we can to help as many women as possible. And all of your ratings and reviews truly help with that. And before I go, a shout out to Chunky Love for the original music and to Mr. Darren Lake over at Podpace for helping me produce this show for all of you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.